I was just scared she was going to ask me a would you rather question. <laughs> Dodge that bullet. No, 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 no. You already turned it over. We're good to go. <laughs> Here's what I think of when I think of graduation Sunday and I think, of, you know, what school winding down or whatever. I think freedom, free at last. I hear the kids talking about it. That's going to be one of our themes for today. Those of you who aren't graduates yet, but you're still in school, it's coming. Summer break is coming. Hang on. There will be freedom. But for the graduates, um, it's interesting because the graduates, we think of that, that oh, I'm done with high school. I'm free. And it's like, yep. Tell me how that's going next year <laughs> and how free you feel next year. But as Mike said, tomorrow is Memorial Day. Memorial Day weekend this weekend is just a great time. And, and a lot of people are going to do and have done this weekend, enjoyed the amazing weather and done some family things and got together. And there will be a lot of that tomorrow. Tomorrow is Memorial Day. And it's not just about um, uh, grilling out and, and playing volleyball and going out on a boat or to the cabin. It's about freedom. That's what Memorial Day is about. It's about remembering. So here's what you need to remember. Freedom is not free. Memorial Day is about remembering the many men and women over the years who have given their lives defending this great country so that we can be here today free. And we can never, ever forget that. I'd like you to just watch a very brief clip and, and read as it goes in honor of them. It's an incredible thing to think about that we don't think about often enough. The price that was paid so that we could do our thing. So that when we're out having fun tomorrow with family or doing stuff, that there was an incredible cost involved in that. You saw the verse um, that was put up at the end. That verse will probably be shown in half of the churches across this country today. John fifteen thirteen. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And I want to talk about that a little bit today um, from more than one perspective. The word, it's interesting in that verse when it says life, we have certain assumptions when we hear that. We think of people giving up their lives for us, and that's certainly what the context is. But it's interesting, the word he chose for life is, is not just the word that means only just your physical life. It's a word, it's the word we get psyche from. It's actually, we get psycho from it too, but that's a whole other sermon series. Um, and what the word means is not just your physical life. It's really your, your identity, your, your, your personhood, your, your individual personality. In other places, that word is translated soul. It's not just your physical life. It's who you are. I love, C.S. Lewis said, you don't have a soul. And when I first read that quote, it's like, what? He said, you don't have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body, <laughs> but you are a soul. We read that verse and we see that's the greatest love, sacrifice. It's demonstrated love. You have had two great sacrifices made for you. One by the men and women that we're going to remember this weekend and honor tomorrow on Memorial Day all across this country. A sacrifice that was made for your freedom that we enjoy every day. The other sacrifice was made for you by Jesus Christ. It's also for our freedom. John was referring to Jesus in that verse when he said that greater love has known than this than to lay down your life for your friends. That same guy in 1 John 3.16 says this, this is how we know what love is. 
If you want to know what love is, he said, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That's incredible when you think about it. What is love demonstrated? We say we want to love people. We have it on the wall over here. Loving God, loving people. How do you love people? You're willing to sacrifice. To lay down your life for other people. Jesus made it possible for us to be free by his sacrifice. Paul, in, in writing in Galatians to the, the church in, um, in, in Galatia, said that Christians, believers, people who are followers of Jesus, are free. Now, hopefully we understand the, the freedoms that we enjoy in this nation because of the sacrifice of those brave, brave men and women that we're going to honor tomorrow. And I hope we never take that for granted. But do you understand the freedom that only comes in believing and receiving Jesus and his sacrifice? We don't often think about what that freedom entails. It says in Galatians 5, Paul writes, Christ has set us free, talking to Christians, people who have claimed Jesus as Savior. He has set us free to enjoy our freedom. So remain strong in the faith. Stand strong. Don't let the chains of slavery hold you again. Every time I read this verse, one of the things that comes to mind is Professor Hess, my psychology professor at Bible College. Actually, I I take that back. His dog comes to mind. His dog is named Sadie. And it's interesting why I remember that name, because I can't remember my family's names half the time. Um, The reason I remember Sadie is another dog story. I I don't know that I have time to tell you, but quick, I'll tell you quick. I was in the Boundary Waters with a bunch of junior high kids. And we, we start the campfire, and I bring my guitar out to the campfire, and we're going to sing around the campfire. It's, it's not sunset yet. It's like dinner time. So we eat dinner. We're out there singing around the campfire, and we're just having a good time, and it keeps getting darker and darker and darker because the sun is going down. And we realize we came here during the light. We don't have any flashlights around the campfire. The campfire has died down. We can't see anything. And somebody from across the campfire in this little teeny light says, look, there's Satan. And I turn and there's a head next to me, this big, black, hairy head. My first thought is, it's a bear. The guy in the next campsite has this gigantic black dog. He named it Satan. I wasn't aware of this, but the kids were. And I will never forget that. The funny thing is, 15 seconds later, few people down, another head comes into the campfire firelight. And I'm thinking, oh, there's the dog again. Wait, the guy came and got the dog. It was a bear. (laughs) It ended well. The story ended well. But um, anyhow, back to Sadie has nothing to do with Satan. Um, <laughs> Professor Hess had a dog named Sadie. And in his backyard, he had this backyard, fairly good size for a, for a city lot. But in the back of his backyard, he had this garden. He had a little, you know, raised wall kind of thing. And he had this beautiful garden with, with some, some fruits and stuff, vegetables, but mainly beautiful flowers and stuff. And the dog knew that's not where you go. Sadie was a bigger dog, and when you go in the garden, you screw things up, and you don't go there, and the dog knew that. 
One of the things that Sadie loved the absolute best was just running around the backyard, you know, and it was like, she's jumping around, having a good time. But if she went into the flower garden, she knew that she was going to be punished. And the way she was punished was he would call Sadie up, he would take the leash, it was on one of those runners that had the leash on it, and he would clip the leash to her collar. So she still had tons of space to go. She hated that. And she would get this sad look on her face and she would just lay down because she was no longer free. I went out, I actually stayed at his house for a short time, rented a room there. And I remember one day looking out the back window and seeing Sadie in the backyard. And she's just, oh, you know, sad and depressed. And I said, oh, Sadie must have been in the garden again, huh? He says, no, why? I said, well, because she's got the leash on and she's depressed and sad. He says, no. We walk out there. Sadie had been running around the backyard, run underneath the line, and the leash laid across her neck. And she thought she was clipped up. And she's been laying there for hours, and it's not even clipped to her neck. All I could think of was, do you know how many Christians live like that the chain is not hooked up anymore and we live like it is and he said don't let the chains of slavery hold you again so what is the freedom that Jesus gives here's two things it's not before I tell you what it is it is not freedom from sin in case you didn't know I have bad news for you you're going to sin Probably today. You say, not me. Well, that was a sin right there. <laughs> Here's how I know that. 1 John 1.10 says this, If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing His word has no place in our hearts. It doesn't matter if you don't know Jesus, if you've never heard of Him, if you have nothing to do with church, or if you've been a believer and walking with Jesus for 50 years. It doesn't matter. You're going to sin. Being free is not freedom from sin. The second thing is it's not freedom to sin. There's actually way too many people who think that. When they finally discover this amazing grace, something gets a little bit twisted. And it's like, well, if God always forgives me and if I have grace, I can do this. And if I do this, I'll be forgiven tomorrow and I'll have grace. God's freedom is not freedom to sin. It tells us in 1 Peter 2.16, live, live as free people. If you're a believer, you're free. You can live as free people, but do not use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Live as servants of God. There's a higher calling when we realize that we're free. Just like tomorrow on Memorial Day, when we realize in this country that we are free because of the sacrifice of men and women, who have gone before and given the ultimate sacrifice for us, there's a responsibility for us to live a certain way to honor that sacrifice. So it's not freedom from sin. It's not freedom to sin. It's freedom. This isn't up there, so don't look. It's too long to put up there. It's freedom from the eternal penalty of sin. And it's also freedom from the power of sin and death. 
It's freedom from the penalty of sin and freedom from the power of sin and death. It's freedom from the penalty of sin because when I claim Jesus as Savior and believe Him, I'm forgiven. My past is forgiven. And I no longer have to fret about that. He paid for it. Do I still suffer the consequences of it? Yes. Jesus forgives you when you sin and ask for forgiveness, but that doesn't mean He removes all the consequences of the the stupid things that we do. But He removes the penalty of sin. The other thing He does is He he gives us the power over sin and death. What that means is we're still going to sin, but we no longer have to. Before Jesus, you're going to sin because that's the way we're wired. I'm still wired that way, but I'm getting rewired. He says in Romans 8, 12, Paul says, Therefore, brothers and dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. After you know Jesus, you're still going to have that sinful nature. You're still going to have those urges to do the wrong thing. You just don't have to do it anymore. We've talked about this recently. The Holy Spirit gives you the power. If you're a follower of Jesus and a believer, He gives you the power to say no to sinful desires. That's why all, you know, a lot of people talk about God won't give you any more than you can handle. And we all know that's not true. He gives me more than I can handle every single day. Because He wants me not to understand that I can handle anything, but I can't handle it without Him. What that verse means when it says he won't give you more than you can handle, he won't place you in a, t- in, a, in a place where you are undergoing temptation that you don't have the power to walk away from it. He has promised that. That we have, if we're followers of Jesus, we have the resources with the Holy Spirit in us to say no. Now, we don't always say no, but we can And the more we walk with Him, the more we learn of Him, and the more we get connected to Him, the easier that no will become to sin. Those chains of slavery have no power anymore. You don't have to be like Sadie out in the yard with a leash over your neck. The leash isn't hooked up. You're free. The key is staying connected to Jesus. The key is something people don't want to talk about. It's living in obedience. We want to think freedom means I don't have to listen to anybody or anything. That's not freedom. That's anarchy and chaos. We need to understand that being connected to Jesus and living in obedience is where our freedom will flourish. We looked at John 15, 13, but the verses immediately preceding John 15, 13. We tend to like to pick a verse out that makes us feel good, forgetting what the context is. Starting in verse 9 of John 15, it says, as Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so, so have I loved you. Now, remain in my love. If you keep my commands, that's the whole obedience thing, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. And then verse 11, he says, I have told you this, and most people paraphrase, I have told you this so that you won't have joy anymore because you'll always have to be doing something you don't want. You don't get to do the fun things. That's not what it says. When we understand we remain in Him and remain obedient to Him, Jesus said, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. It may be full. You can have real joy. And Jesus said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. That's when He goes to verse 13 and tells us what that love is like. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. 
That's what Jesus did for us on the cross. Last week, we talked about Pentecost again to finish out our series on the, on the church and, and what's the big deal about church. And we talked about the incredible birth of the church and we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit coming down that day. We talked about the boldness they had, the amazing things that happened. And what I, what I see is so many people, so many churches even, they, they, they want Pentecost in their lives. We long for Pentecost in our lives and in our churches. We forget there is no Pentecost without the cross. Had there been no cross, there would be no Pentecost. Jesus went to the cross in obedience. He did that for you and for me. And we need to remain in Him and His love and walk by faith and walk by the Spirit in obedience in order to understand what that freedom is really all about. I, look at, I, I do not look at Christianity as a list of things I can't do. I look at Christianity as a way that I have found a freedom that I never had when I could do absolutely anything I wanted. That was not freedom. I was a slave to sin instead of really being free. And here's what will happen. I guarantee it. Satan will try to convince you that obedience carries too high a price. You'll want to do something. It'll be fun. But it's sin. I understand sin is fun. If it wasn't fun, we wouldn't want to do it, right? Obedience, Satan will say, "Mm, that carries too high a cost. But you know what Satan will never tell you? He will never tell you the cost of not obeying God. He doesn't want you to know that. If you're going to live in that freedom and be used by God for great things, you should expect to have to make some adjustments in your life. There will be times when you will have to choose between things and you'll know this thing is right and this thing is wrong. And you'll have to make that choice and sometimes it's an easy choice and sometimes it's a hard choice. And sometimes there can seem like there's a lot of distance between those things. Can you measure the distance between the throne room of heaven and a cattle shed in Bethlehem? Can you imagine how far it is from the lordship of the universe that Christ enjoyed to the cross? That's the kind of obedience that Jesus had. Don't be deceived into thinking there isn't a cost for obedience. There is a cost, but the cost to not obey is infinitely more. Many of you here, like me, you can relate to the chains of slavery that we mentioned a moment ago in a hundred different ways. I just want you to watch a short video clip and maybe see a glimpse of a couple of those ways and maybe you'll see something that looks familiar in some of this, so watch.
gets me every time. <laughs> he makes beautiful things out of dust. He wants to make a beautiful thing out of your life. That comes by experiencing and living in his freedom. Enjoying that because of our relationship with him and obedience to him. Do you want to be free? Do you really want to experience that joy? John said this. Same one, same guy we wrote, read about earlier. In John 8, he says this. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, so people who were followers of him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. That's the whole obedience thing. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We hear that verse, but we never hear the verse before it that says the freedom that comes from knowing the truth begins with obedience. Knowing who Jesus is and remaining faithful to him. Verse 33 says, uh, they answered Jesus, hey, but wait a minute, we're descendants of Abraham. They said, we've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean? You know, you will be set free. And here's what Jesus said. I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins, who continually, habitually sins, is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son or a daughter is a part of the family forever. So if the Son, Jesus, sets you free, you are truly free. We hear that verse all the time. If the Son sets you free, you are truly free. You are free indeed. Forgetting that the context is following Him, walking in step with Him, obeying Him. That's where the freedom comes from. Never use your freedom as an excuse to do evil or to do bad. Never give first-class allegiance to a second or third-class cause. Give your life for something that matters. Something that matters for all eternity. So today's about freedom. Today is also about remembering. So we're big here on the YBH. Yes, but how? Well, if we want to remember the sacrifice that was made so that you could be free, we have a day for that. It's called Memorial Day. Although we should do that every day. Tomorrow is the day that we can remember. And whether you just celebrate, you know, with friends, family, by yourself, whether you go watch the parade, whether you hear what they have to say at the cemetery, however you choose to celebrate it, do it in such a way that you're remembering that you're able to do the things you're doing this weekend because people gave their lives for your freedom. But what about remembering the sacrifice Jesus made so that you could be free? He actually gave us a great way to remember that. And we're going to close the service today by doing that. It's the Lord's table. It's communion. As, as the guys come to get ready, I just want to explain very briefly. I shouldn't say guys. Guys is generic to me. It could be guys and girls. It doesn't matter. Communion is one of the two things Jesus said, do this. One of them was baptism. You get saved, then you get baptized. It demonstrates to everybody that you're saved. The other thing he gave was communion, and there was a reason for this, for the Lord's table. And I'm just going to read it briefly. Um, uh, this is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians. I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself, from Jesus himself. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. 
When we take that bread, that cracker, that wafer, whatever it is you're using, it doesn't save you. It doesn't make you better or more holy. If you're not a follower of Jesus or or for whatever reason you want to let it pass, when it comes by, just pass it by. No questions asked. This doesn't save you. It reminds us that when Jesus died on the cross, that body that was broken and bruised was for us. And he said, you do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So we will continue to do this until Jesus comes again. Because that's what he asked us to do. So what we're going to do is we're going to pass the bread. And I'm going to ask you if you're going to share with us. Remember, it's not anything to do with salvation. It's just you remembering the price that was paid so that you could be free. Father, as believers and followers of Jesus have done for two millennia, we are in awe of what you accomplished for us on the cross that freedom as we have shared this bread and this cup again as believers have done down through the generations help us to remember help us to never forget help us in doing this to proclaim your death until you come again father we know that walking in step with you and in obedience with you does not save us but it enables us to experience the freedom that you purchased for us, to experience your joy completely and fully. And I ask that you would help us to remain in you and walk with you. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today and tomorrow, we remember great love. In 1 John 4, it says this, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. He loved us first and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins so that we could experience true, true freedom. I'm going to ask you to stand as we close with the final song.